Salvation Now podcast, where you'll discover and be equipped with keys from the Word of God that will pave the way to God's unlimited blessing in your life. Now, here's your host, Evangelist T.J. Malkanji. Let's get in it for today. Seven essential steps to take in 2022. I want to start off by reading Psalm 1. I used to say Psalm chapter 1, but then I learned in Bible college, Psalms are not chapters. They're Psalms. They're individual songs. So I stopped saying that, and it's never left me. Psalm 1. I'm in a good mood today. If you're in a good mood, type 1 in the chat. If you're not, you'll be in a good mood by the end of this broadcast. Psalm 1 and verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor does he stand in the path of sinners, nor does he sit in the seat of the scornful. So off the top, David is saying that there's ingredients to blessing. It's not just you're blessed because you came to Christ. It says, well, yes, you are blessed if you come to Christ, but that blessing can actually be canceled If you're walking in the counsel of the ungodly, if you're standing in the path of sinners, if you're sitting in the seat of the scornful, the Bible says that the blessing is reserved for people that take God's instructions literally, apply them literally, and they're the ones that are going to see the blessing of the Lord that maketh the man rich and adds no sorrow to it. Then he goes on to say, verse 2, so it's not just not what to do. It's what to do. So it's not just what we should abstain from, the counsel of the ungodly, standing in the path of sinners, sitting in the seat of the scornful of mockers. But now he goes on to say, this is what you should do. Verse two, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. That's what I commend you for doing today. You're taking time out of your busy schedule to sit through uh, one hour teaching on the word of God so you can fill your spirit, man. Many of you are doing fasting and prayer. In January, the body of Christ throughout the world has a time set apart, whether it's three days, seven days, 21 days, 40 days, whatever whatever your church is doing, whatever you're doing specifically. Uh, many of you are taking time to set apart unto the Lord at the beginning of this year to fast and to pray. And by by, by tuning into this broadcast, you're actually intensifying and maximizing the potential of what this fast is going to do for you. His delight is in the law of the Lord. That's what you're doing right now. You're delighting in the law of the Lord. You could, maybe some of you are on your lunch break. Maybe some of you, you're, you're, you just woke up or whatever. You could easily be doing something else. You can be playing PlayStation. You can be, you know, watching TikToks galore because, you know, you can watch one or two of those and then all of a sudden three hours have passed and you're still going through it. You could easily be doing something else, but you disciplined your spirit. You said, no, even if I might not feel like it, many of you do feel like being here, but some of you might not feel like like sitting through this today. But <laughs> the good news is, is there is a blessing if you suppress your flesh, sit through this listen to what the word of god has to say make the word your delight and the bible says when you're when the law of god becomes your meditation day and night you will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season whose leaves will never wither and whatever he does shall prosper Though ungodly are not so. They're like chaff that is driven away by the wind. I read Psalm 1, and I'm going to read another scripture, Proverbs chapter 4. But I started off with Psalm 1 to show you that there is a path in life 
where you're like a tree firmly planted by a riverbank. You see, if you're a tree in the wilderness, you are um, susceptible to drought and you're susceptible susceptible to, to, to harsh climate and conditions. Because if you're in the desert, you know, I was watching a documentary on uh, Netflix uh, in December, and it talks about how there, there's there's uh, elephants that are desert elephants in I don't know if it's in the Saharan desert or whatnot, some African desert, and they don't look the same as elephants that dwell in climates that are full of rain, that have lakes, that have fresh water, and all that. Some Christians are like desert elephants. They don't look the same. They don't have the same strength. They don't have the same visage. They don't have the same countenance. They don't look as happy as the elephants that are dwelling by streams of water. And it's all because of the environment that they sit in. You can actually cultivate an environment for your life in 2022 where you're not a desert Christian. There's so many Christians that talk about, oh, brother, I'm in the desert. I'm in the wilderness. You know, God had to bring the... Uh, the, the Israelites in, in, in the wilderness for 40 years because though he got Egypt, though he got the Israelites out of Egypt, it took 40 years to get Egypt out of the Israelites. Maybe that was the case for them, but remember, they didn't have the Holy Ghost in them. And also, the reason why they were in the wilderness for 40 years was not because they were doing things right. It wasn't because they were on fire for God. It wasn't because they were doing everything they could in their own power to please God. The very, like four days after they got out of Israel, they were already fashioned for themselves idols to worship uh, golden calves to worship and to attribute their deliverance to they were idolatrous in Hebrews 2 it says for 40 years this generation they went astray in their heart they, they, they hardened their hearts to my commands and I swore in my wrath so God was not pleased with them the Bible says he swore in the, his wrath that they would not enter into his rest so that shows you that they had opportunity to enter into God's rest but they by their own actions and their decisions and poor lifestyles, they could not enter into God's rest. But that does not have to be your story. Let me tell you a secret. And it's a secret that's not so much a secret because it's listed throughout the whole Bible. And if you study great men of God, they'll tell you the same thing. If you'll make other people's stories the uh, the program for your life and you just follow people that they had many mistakes and you just start adapting what they did even though they went through the mistakes and they went through all that, you just adapt whatever they did. If you make other people's tragedies your uh, guiding force in life that, you know, ultimately didn't work out for them. So I guess, you know, we can't expect flowers and daisies all the time. You start to do that. You're going to live a life of ups and downs the same way they live the life of ups and downs. But if you'll do what the Bible says, listen to this Proverbs chapter four. I want you to write that in the comment section. My story doesn't have to be their story. Uh, their story doesn't have to be my story. Their story doesn't have to be my story. You don't have to let other people's tragedy dictate what happens in your life. Because first of all, you don't know what went on in their life. You don't know what goes on in their heart. You don't know what they've done. You don't know where they're at. You don't know what's in their mind. You don't know what's in their heart. You don't know that. So instead of making, you know, that's what people do. They make other people's stories their God. Because they follow their path rather than making the word of God the guiding force in their life and follow its path. Because listen to this, Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 7. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And what's wisdom? Jesus said in Luke chapter 11 and verse 52, Hath not the wisdom of God said, and then he quoted scripture. 
So the wisdom of God speaks via the scriptures of God. When you read God's word, you are being exposed to God's wisdom. You don't have to get into a corner somewhere, cross your legs and start meditating and hoping God drops wisdom in your heart. God's word is God's wisdom. There's a lot of people that make Christianity be out to be so uh, ethereal and so mystical and so weird, if I can be honest with you, that they, they miss out on the practicality of Christianity and the, benefic- the beneficial aspects of it, of the Word of God. There's so many people that love to over-spiritualize everything when in reality, if you truly understand spirituality, it is more practical than people make it out to be. People that are weird... And they're blowing shofars and they're like, we're just calling in the four winds. Like, what are you doing? There's no scripture for that. We're not blowing shofars and doing all that stuff. We're getting in the word. What did Jesus say in Matthew chapter 7 in verse 24 to 27? He didn't say if you blow a shofar, you'll be like a house that's founded upon a rock. He didn't say that. He didn't say if you get oil from the Holy Land that's mixed with the specific spices and you just douse your head in that oil every single day. There's so many people that are trying to find these weird formulas because they don't want to actually do the work. The work is not going on Christian television and ordering every single time they advertise water from the Sea of Galilee. This is the water that Jesus walked on. Here's a piece of wood that we believe came from the cross. All of that is just religion. All of that is just appealing to people's religious funny bones and it's scratching people's religious ears, but it actually does nothing. It's nothing. It's just formality. It's just Uh, idle motions that people are going through that doesn't actually produce and so when you get into the word and you start to apply Jesus said if you hear my word and you do it so it's not enough just to hear the word if you hear my word and you do my word if you apply my word the power in the word of God is not in its reception in your heart the power of the word of God is in its application with your hands You can receive it. There's a lot of people who sit in church year after year. They sit in church decade after decade. They've been in the church. They've been part of that church since 1968. And their life looks no different. They actually still dress the same as 1968. And that's how you know they've been stuck in 1968. They haven't moved on. They, They haven't progressed. They haven't moved forward. Jesus said, it's not just enough to hear my word. You have to hear my word and do my word. For if you do my word, you will be like a man who built a house, founded upon a rock, that when the rains fall, when the winds blow against the house, it does not fall for it's been founded upon the rock. The word of God is the rock. So this is what the proverb says. Wisdom, which is the word of God, we've established that now. Wisdom... And it's interchangeable. You can say the word of God is the principal thing. Therefore, get the word, get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get understanding of the word. Get understanding of the wisdom you acquire. Exalt her and she will promote you. Wisdom will bring you honor when you embrace her. She will place on your head an ornament of grace and a crown of glory she will deliver to you. Hear my son and receive my sayings and the years of your life will be many. So you see benefit number one from getting God's wisdom in your heart is that you'll actually extend your life. You'll actually prolong the days you live. 
That's that's not only in Proverbs 4. Uh, you can read it all throughout the Proverbs and in the Psalms and even in the New Testament. Talks about in Ephesians 6 that children, you are to obey your parents in the Lord. For this is the first commandment with promise that your days may be long on the earth and that you might have uh, pleasure in your long days. So Ephesians 6, Paul is saying that if you'll actually follow the wisdom of obeying your parents, even when it's not popular or even when it doesn't feel good to do it, to clean your room or whatever if you're younger, and obviously if your parents are still calling you to clean your room at 30 or 35, there's, there's deeper problems in that. But if you follow that and you honor your parents, you know, as you grow older, a lot of people, they have the tendency of just forgetting their parents. You should honor your parents because Paul said it has a, there's a, there's a benefit attached, attached to it. There's a promise attached to it. If you carry out that wisdom and that instruction, your days will be long on the earth. That's in the New Testament. And then you study in Proverbs, it says that the fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom, prolongeth your days and the years of your life will be many. Proverbs chapter three says it this way. Proverbs 3 and verse uh, 1. My son, don't forget my law, but let your heart keep my commandments for length of days and long life. It will add to you. So I don't understand these people that talk about, you know, how many of you know, as Christians, we're not promised tomorrow. We can go at any time. If you're referring to the rapture, I'm all on board. The rapture can happen at any time and I'm, I'm ready to go. But if you're, if you're referring to premature death, death by disease, death by accident, death by tragedy... I don't, I don't amen that. I don't confess that. I don't receive that. Because the Bible says that if I'll receive God's word and treasure his wisdom in my heart, it says the years of your life will be many. That's not some probability. It's not probably, you know, things will go out. No. All scripture. You know, I was in Bible college and that's what they taught. They said that the Proverbs are just probabilities, that perhaps these things will pan out your way if you... No, they're not probabilities. They are promises. All scripture. You can't pick and choose what scriptures hold a promise and what scriptures don't and are just probabilities. You can't have a buffet religion where you pick some and you leave out the other. I'm not really into that today. I'm just into this. You can't do that. All scripture is God-breathed, inspired of God, and it is profitable for... For you to train you in righteousness to teach you to rebuke you to exhort you and to uh, adequately equip you for every good work so i'm i'm gonna if it's in this book you know psalms 119 the bible says that all thy precepts concerning all things i consider to be right if it's in this book i'm gonna chew it up i'm gonna pull up a a seat to the table of God and I'm going to feast on what God's word promises me. I'm not going to buy into this cheap, dead, religious nonsense that just likes to pick and choose what they want to believe in the Bible. I'm going to I'm going to feast. If healing is the children's bread, I'm going to feast on healing today. If the Bible says that if you'll uh, seek the Lord with all your heart, just like Josiah did in 2 Chronicles 26, that he'll cause you to prosper, I'm going to seek prosperity in everything that I do. If the Bible says I can be like a tree firmly planted and I don't have to be some wavering thing. I don't have to be some unsteady thing. I don't have to be some up and down Christian, but I can actually have a path that goes brighter and brighter even unto that perfect day. I can actually have a life where everything I touch promises, uh, prospers. If I can have a life that my leaves never wither, meaning I never know a day of decrease. I never know a day of backward movement that all my days will be forward and upward. Then I'm going to receive that walk in that believe it and expect God to fulfill on his promise how about you if that's going to be your life type one in the chat from this day on um, right now if you believe that's going to be your story from this day onward
I've taught you in the way of wisdom. I've led you in right paths. So that tells you there's wrong paths to 2022 and there's right paths to 2022. If you believe that things are just random, huh? whatever happens, happens. You're never going to get out of the rut. You're never going to have success in life. You're, you're, your life is just going to be a frustration. Your life is going to be a stagnation. Your life is going to be just uh, random. You know, good days will come, bad days will come, and you know, you just got to make do. That's, that's how the world thinks. But the Bible says that there is a right path in life. Proverbs says that the way of the Lord is strength for the upright. The way of the Lord is paved with riches, honor, and life. That's in the book of Proverbs. So you can either go by the way of the Lord, or you can go in the way that seems right unto men, but its end is the way of death. I want to choose the former. Take firm hold of instruction. Don't let her go. Keep her for she is your life. Don't enter the path of the wicked. Don't walk in the way of evil. That's reiterating what Psalm 1 says. Don't walk in the, 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 don't, don't, uh, walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Don't stand in the path of sinners. Don't sit in the seat of scoffers. And we're going to get into that in one of our seven points. Avoid it. Don't travel on it. Turn away from it and pass on. For they don't sleep unless they've done evil, and their sleep is taken away unless they make someone fall. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. But verse 18, this is why I read Proverbs uh, chapter 4. I want you to pay special attention to verse 18. But the path of the just, and if you're in Christ today, you're a part of the just. Romans 5.1 says that God has justified us through faith in Christ Jesus, and we have peace with God now. So if you're in Christ, if you're saved, if you're born again, you're part of the just. And the Bible says there is a path that you can choose to walk on that shines is like the shining sun. What does that mean? You ever watch a, sun, a sunrise in the morning? It's pitch black. That's like pre-redemption. Nothing going around. Everything's in, you're, you're under the dominion of darkness. But then all of a sudden, a glimmer comes. Light bursts burst through. But then that light doesn't stay there. It continues to rise higher and higher and higher. That's what the Bible's saying your path is to be like. The path of the just shines brighter and brighter, even unto the perfect day. And the perfect day is when Christ takes you home. And that's when you'll be at your peak. So it doesn't say, you know, when you're 20 and 30 and 40, that's when you'll have your glory days. But then when you grow older, things are going to get tough for you. You're going you're gonna to pretty much expire. It actually says the older you get in Christ and the more mature you get in Christ and the more you walk with Christ, the brighter you're going to be, the better the results will be. You study guys like Kenneth Hagin. They started off at, he started at 17 years old. He was on the bed of, of affliction. He was dying of an incurable heart disorder, was paralyzed from the waist down because of it. God healed him from uh, reading Mark eleven twenty three that if you can say to this mountain, be thou uprooted and cast into the sea, it will move and you'll have what you say. So he began to speak to his heart and it, God healed him supernaturally. And then he started preaching and he, uh, he, he became a pastor after that. Or no, he became a traveling minister from, for like 20 years, became a pastor after that, traveled the rest of his life as well. And when he was like 80, he was having the, up until actually 50, 55 years old, he, he had, he didn't have the, the breakthrough he saw in his spirit. When he was 80, he started to see the biggest arenas packed with people to come and hear the word of the, the word of the Lord. At 83 years old, he was two weeks before he died, he packed out uh, his biggest auditorium that he had ever packed out. 
to the glory of God. So you see, it's not shining bright when you're 30 and then when you're 80, you become, you know, just throw them in a nursing home and wipe Gerber's applesauce off their face. That's not how it's supposed to be for you and that's not how it'll be for you. Even in old age, you'll bear fruit and you'll be fresh and flourishing. If you're watching right now and you're 60 plus and the devil successfully convinced you that your hate, that your days of glory are gone, that now I'm pretty much just gonna sit down and wait for me to waste away, wait for my body to just decay and go home to be with the Lord, you are great, you are greatly wrong. That is, you've been deceived. From today, you're going to see God's going to put blueprints in your heart to know what to do, to know where to go, so that in your latter days, you'll actually increase more than in your former days. You'll see more of what God can do through you, just like Caleb at 85 years old. He said, I, I am stronger today than I was at 40 years old when, to now fight and to gain and, and, and possess the mountain that you've promised me. As you grow older, just like the Bible says, as your days shall be, so shall your strength be. As you grow older, your strength will not deeply, like Moses, like the word of God says, at 120 years old, he, his, his eyes were not dim, nor was his strength abated, meaning he didn't grow weak. He was the same as when he was 80. He was the same as when he was 40. That'll be your story in Jesus' name. The path of the just is like the shining sun that shines brighter and brighter, even unto the perfect day. God's a success God. 2022, you can either roll with him or you can go against him. You can either go where the wind's blowing you. You know, the Bible says the spirit of God is like a wind that you hear the sound thereof but can't tell where it's coming from, neither where it's going. So is he that is born of the spirit of God. You can either catch that wind or you can go against that wind. You can either be a Jonah this year where it's just storm after storm. You can either be going counter to the call of God or you can learn today to cooperate with the Holy Spirit and see the same headwinds that were against you come behind you and push you forward into the greatest year you've ever had on this green planet. I want to remind you before I move on to the seven points, Psalm 35, 27, the Bible says God has pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. The word prosperity uh, I was reading it, especially in 1 Chronicles 26.2, where it says, Josiah, as long as he sought the Lord, the Lord made him to prosper. That word prosper is the word tzala, which means to forcibly push forward, to push with all your might. The Bible says, as long as Josiah sought the Lord, God made it a point to push him forward with all his might. What a powerful truth. The Bible says God delights in the prosperity, the pushing forward with all his might, the, the servants of his, the prosperity of his servants. So that tells you something. For you to enjoy God's plan of prosperity, God's plan of, of making this year a great year, a year to not forget, a year that will actually set the pace for the rest of your life, you have to commit yourself to serving God. You have to commit yourself to to. To God's kingdom. You have to commit yourself to being a child of God. You, you got to be saved in simple words. At the end of this broadcast, I'm going to give you an opportunity to start this year off by making a decision to receive Christ in your heart, to get born again, to turn your life around. So keep on, because at the end of this broadcast, I'm going to make a very clear invitation to receive the gospel today. You know, the Bible says, as many as received Christ to them gave you power to become children of God. You don't have to live a life without power, a void of power. You can receive power today as you receive Christ to not only break free from sin. See, a lot of Christianity, just it just revolves around breaking free from sin. There's more to it than that. It's not just breaking free from sin. We're going to talk about that in, in point number one. But 
God's not just interested in pulling you out of this world. God's interested in using, in using you in this world. And I believe that'll be your story. Number one, seven essential steps to take in 2022. Step number one, holiness and consecration. You need to take a step towards holiness. You cannot walk hand in hand with God while you're locked in, in the other hand, with sin. You have to make a decision like the word of God says uh, in, in Joshua 24, Joshua drew a line in the sand and he said, those who are on the Lord's side, come here. For I, I call heaven and earth before you this day to, that uh, I set before you life and death, blessing or cursing. Oh, that you would choose life that you and your descendants might live. Joshua gave the people of Israel an ultimatum that day. You continue on in sin, you're on your own. But if you'll live a holy life, pleasing unto the Lord, the Bible says it'll be a life of, of blessing. He said, I set before you blessing and cursing. Deuteronomy 28 says, if you'll diligently obey my voice, all these blessings will come upon you and overtake you. You know what that tells you? If you'll live a lifestyle of holiness, like the word of God says, pursue holiness and peace with all men. If you'll do that and walk and keep to the highway of holiness, keep to the pathway of, of righteousness, the Bible says you don't have to go chasing after blessing. Blessing and honor and glory is going to chase after you. Psalm 23, when you make the Lord your shepherd, goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. That's not you going after it. There's a lot of people that are trying to find a shortcut to the blessing. I don't want to give up my boyfriend that lives with me and we sleep together all the time. I don't want to give up that alcohol. I don't want to give up smoking pot. I don't want to give up pornography. I don't want to give up those things, but I do want to enjoy everything the Bible promises. It doesn't work that way. You cannot sow the seed of sin and reap a harvest of blessing. Seeds produce according to its kind. The Bible says in Proverbs, he that sows in sin will reap in sorrow. Psalm 16 and verse 4 says, He that hastens after other gods, his sorrows will be multiplied. So if you're chasing after other things in life, the Bible says it'll actually multiply the sorrow you have. But on the flip side, he that sows in righteousness shall have a sure reward. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6, Without faith, it's impossible to please God. But he that comes to God must believe that God exists. And then two, that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You know what that tells you? There is a reward in diligently seeking God. There's a lot of Christians that talk about, you know, the cost of Christianity. All they do is they focus on what you're losing out on. It's almost like they're, they're, they, they regret doing it. I don't understand preachers that only focus on the cost. I, I talk about the cost. You're going to lose some things. I'm talking about holiness right now. You're going to have to trim some, some things off your life. You're not going to be able to live the life you, you had before. And that's fine. But one of the ways God has wired humanity is that we... We are driven to see the benefits in things. In Genesis 3, or Genesis 2, God set a tree in the midst of the Garden of Eden. But he didn't just focus on if you eat of that tree, you're going to die. 
He got them to focus on all the other trees and all the other benefits of the Garden of Eden. There's so many people that are focused on what they're going to lose out on, what what the cost is. We count the cost. But I want to move you on forward to that, what Paul said to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4. He said, godliness is profitable unto all things. That the reward of godliness and holiness far outweighs the cost of anything you've given up. Anything God tells you to give up. I'm, I'm confident, and I feel this is a word in my spirit for some people watching right now. The Lord has told you that entering into 2022, you need to sever that relationship. And you have complained. You've tried to work against it. You've tried to fashion something in your mind. How can I please God? How can I kind of like negotiate with Him so we can come to terms? God's not in negotiation. The word of God, the commandments of scripture are not to be negotiated. God's not negotiating with you on what, you know, what he'll let slide and what he's actually firm on. The word of God is not open to negotiation. It is black and white and sometimes in red. It is, it, it's settled. The word of God is settled in the heavenlies, the Bible, say, the Bible says. So we're not negotiating it. Some people think that prayer is pretty much coming to terms with God on what we're not going to do and what we're... That's not what prayer is. Prayer is getting spiritual power with God to actually follow through in what He tells you to do. So some of you, I believe in my, in my spirit, that some of you have, have relationships that the Lord has told you to sever in 2022, at the beginning, in January, like today, and you've postponed it. You say, well, no, I'll get to it, but let me just enjoy a couple of more months. You're treading dangerous waters. And you've done it because your reasoning has been, well, I'll never find another guy. Or I'll never find another woman. Or I I, I don't know if I'll ever get a friend like that again. Well, he's been my friend since childhood. Or she's been my friend since childhood. I don't know if I could ever do that again. I don't know if I can cultivate that level of friendship. I trust them with everything. Not knowing that on the other side of your obedience is a friend that far outweighs the friend you thought you had is a, a, a future spouse that far outweighs the boyfriend or girlfriend that you have right now. That's not going to give you the trials and calamity later on in life. Obedience to God always leads to a better day ahead. The devil successfully tries to convince people that obedience to God is actually God trying to take the fun out of life. That's what he did to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Did God really say that if you eat the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that you'll die? You're not going to die. God's just afraid that you're going to be. So the devil tries to make you to, uh, tries to get you to think that instructions in the word are God's ploy to like keep fun back from you, to keep entertainment from you, to keep joy from you, when in reality it's the complete opposite. The word of God, remember this, God is your manufacturer. We are the product. The word is the manual. When Apple writes a manual for their iPhone, they're not telling you how to not maximize the benefits of your device. They're telling you, here's how to maximize the benefits of your device. Here's how to use everything that's available to you on the iPhone. But I can guarantee you, not many of you have ever read the the manual. I've never read the manual. I've never gone through the instruction booklet. And then I see some Instagram reels or TikToks that say, here's what you can do with your iPhone. And I'm like, man, I wish I had known that three, four, five, six years ago when I started buying Apple. Actually, it's more than that. I would have started using that back then. 
So I lost out on the benefits because I didn't read the manual. The word of God is God's manual for your life. It's not trying to strip you of benefits. It's trying to maximize the benefits that you enjoy in life. That's why David said, bless the Lord, O my soul, forget not all his benefits. For he heals my diseases. He forgives all my sins. He satisfies my mouth with good things so that my youth is renewed like the eagles. He redeems my life from the pit of destruction. God's word is not going to lead you to a pit of destruction. God's word is going to lift you out of destruction and set you on a rock to stay. A rock of blessing. A rock of stability. So number one, holiness. We said it before. Psalm 1, how blessed is he who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. If you walk in the uncounseled, the ungodly, 2022 is going to be an ungodly year for you. But if you'll walk in the counsel of the word, break, cut sin out of your life. You know, Joshua said in Joshua 7, be sure your sins are going to find you out. If you think you can hide it from God, you're mistaken. Your sins are going to find you out. Some people think, well, I'm just, I just have a generational curse because that's why these things are happening. Actually, it's you haven't repented. Most people call a curse or like the devil's attack when in reality it has nothing to do with the devil attacking them the devil took a day off the devil's actually been on a seven month sabbatical it's unrepented sin you know that sin sin you don't have to do anything to be cursed if you walk in sin sin by itself is going to is going to magnetize the curse on your life Deuteronomy 28, 15 through the end of the chapter if you don't obey my voice all these cursings will come upon you so it's not that God's doing anything. God doesn't, God's not cursing you. God's actually cheering for you to turn back and get blessed. The devil actually is not doing anything. It's sin by itself carries a corrosive nature to it. It acts like acid. It just burns through everything in your life. It burns through everything in your life. So it's not, it has nothing to do with the devil, it has nothing to do with God. Um, you know, God's, God's probably leading me a different, no. It, unrepented sin, the wages of sin is death. The free gift of God is life eternal in Christ Jesus. Psalm 101, listen to what David said. Psalm 101. So for people that are saying, well, he's preaching like a really, like an unrealistic life. I mean, how could you ever not sin? I, I, I posted a reel the other day couple of weeks ago i talked about that temptation is natural and it's normal you're always going to be tempted but you don't have to sin and i had this guy write to me he was not happy with that you're you're deceiving people you're making them feel like they can actually live holy and stuff like that and i'm like are you crazy doesn't the bible say be holy even as your father in heaven is holy you know like people that are trapped in sin and don't want to repent those are the ones that have a problem with me saying that you can actually live a lifestyle of dominion over sin it's those that are in love with sin that jesus said this is the judgment that has come into the world not that god judges you it, this is the judgment that you have loved darkness rather than light because your deeds are evil people that love doing evil things will always have a problem with a preacher that tells them that you can actually live in victory over sin well, here's what David said. David didn't start off this psalm by saying, I'll sing of the mercy and justice. To you, O Lord, I'll sing praises. And even though I screw up time and time again, and it's unrealistic to ever think that I'm ever going to live a holy life, that's not what it says. It says in verse 2, and remember, this is Old Testament. David didn't have the Holy Ghost within him. David had the Holy Spirit upon him. He had the Spirit of might upon him, which was already... Uh, 
an advantage over the rest of the people because not everyone had the Spirit of God upon them in the Old Testament, only the king, the priest, and the prophet. But in the New Testament, we have the Spirit of God within us. So we have an amazing advantage over the Old Testament saints. No wonder Jesus said, of all the men that were born of women in the Old Testament, Elijah, Elisha, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Isaiah, Jeremiah, of all the people born in the Old Testament, there is none that has been greater than John the Baptist. Because John the Baptist, even though it's in uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he's an Old Test- he was still under the Old Covenant. Because until Jesus shed his blood, the New Covenant was not enforced and wasn't enacted and ratified. So John was still under the Old Covenant. Jesus said, of all the men born of woman, nobody's been greater than John the Baptist. Because John was the one that announced the coming of the Messiah. But he that is least, this is Matthew eleven twelve, he that is least... In the kingdom of heaven. He that is least as a, uh, in the redeemed world, in, in the, what I'm about to do, and all the born-again children that are about to come into the kingdom of God, he that is least in that company is greater than any Old Testament saint. How come? Because they had the Spirit upon them. We have the Holy Ghost within us. And the Bible says that the Spirit in us empowers us to live, why do you think he's called the Holy Spirit? The very first thing he does is empower you to live holy. And David said, I will behave wisely in a perfect way. Or when will you come to me? I will. I want you to pay special attention to how many times David says, I will. So the first step to walking in holiness in 2022 is going to be setting your will in line with God's will. David didn't say, I'll try. David said, I will. I will behave wisely in a perfect way. I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. Some of you have to stop watching a Netflix series. Some of you have to turn off that TikTok account. Some of you have to turn off that Amazon Prime video or unsubscribe to certain YouTube channels because every time they pop up in your recommended for you page, it messes you up, gets you down in a, 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 a thought process that you don't want to get on that leads to sin. I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. Some of you have to trim your Apple Music um, um, choices because, you know, your eyes and your ears are the gateway to what goes on in your heart. If your eye is evil, your whole body will be filled with darkness. If your ear is evil, you know, that's where your whatever you hear, guard your heart above everything else for out of it flows the issues of life. When you're receiving, you know, Shakira and her hips not lying every single day, you're... you're, (laughs) You're, you're not going to, you're going to adapt something in your life that, that is, um, that isn't going to help you. When you start listening to rap music that talks about hitting women and drinking alcohol and smoking drugs and all that, don't be surprised if all of a sudden you feel the desire to start smoking drugs and drinking alcohol. Oh, it's just one drink. It, whatever you listen to and watch is what's going to influence what goes on in your heart and that's where proverbs 4 24 says that's where the issues of life spring forth from so david said i will walk within my house with a perfect heart i will set nothing wicked before my eyes i will no i'm gonna try not to you have to have a violent reaction to what the devil tries to put in front of you you see a billboard driving on a highway that's some like sex shop or whatever you look the other way you don't even entertain it Oh, I wonder what that... No, you look the other... You, I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. You'd be amazed 
and how much power you have over what you look at and what you hear and where you go. It's actually not that hard. Someone wrote, basic TV alone can mess you up. I agree. I agree. That's why I only have sports channels. <laughs> and even that. I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. A perverse heart shall depart from me. I will not know wickedness. So it's about your will. You have to make the choice. Number two. Number one is holiness. Number two, essential step. And we're going to go a little quicker because time's running out. Number two, make a habit of reading the word daily. It, I was just reading a book the other uh, day that talks about how to form good habits. And it takes, on average, 66 days of disciplined work to form a habit and a lifestyle. So you can't just read the word three times and expect a habit to come out. Three days in a row and expect a habit to come out of that. You have to, they've studied human nature and all that. It takes 66 days, consecutive days, of doing a thing, a one thing, to form a habit and a lifestyle of doing that where it's no longer something you're disciplined to do, it's something you're delighted to do. So if you'll take the first 66 days of 2022 and every day, if you have to get a one-year Bible and do it that way, if you're somebody that likes to, to, to have like a, a program, I, I have my own program in reading the word. I read some psalms every day i read a proverb every day and i read something from the gospels i read something from the epistles and i read something from the old testament that's what i try to do every single day um but i'm i'm at least reading a, a good chunk of scripture daily if you'll do that for 66 days consecutively even science tells you that you'll form a habit and a lifestyle in that thing they someone wrote i thought 21 it, they used to think it was 21, but further uh, research has actually shown that it's, it's 66 days to solidify it forever in your life. I did that with prayer several years ago. I, I found I didn't have a very steady lifestyle of prayer. I, was up, I wasn't praying without ceasing. There'd be days where I, I, I would pray very, if anything, maybe in the shower, like a quick amen and all that, but that was it. And then I'll, I, I made it, I made it a, a point to just pray every day. No matter how I felt, no matter how long it went, I just prayed every day. That have eventually led to me cultivating a lifestyle where I have ceaseless prayers. There hasn't been a day that has gone by where I haven't prayed. I, I pray every single day since that moment. And it took the, I don't know, I wasn't counting 66 days there, but it took a certain amount of days of discipline, even if I didn't feel like it, that now... I don't feel like not praying. I delight in my daily prayer time. It's the same with the word of God. One thing that's going to push you on to keep on that discipline is knowing why you're reading the word. If you don't know the why, there's, there's like three circles. Each circle is smaller than the other. A lot of people know the what to do. A lot of people know that they should read the Bible. They know what reading the Bible is. A lot of, in the smaller circle is the how. A lot of people know how to read the Bible. You open it up. You read, you have a study Bible, you read some uh, concordances and whatnot on different words. A lot of people know how to read the Bible. Few people know why 
they should read the Bible. And that's why they have a hard time doing the what? That's why they have a hard time actually getting in every single day in the secret place and opening it up because they don't know the why. When you start to understand the why, it's going to give you power that even when you don't feel like doing it, the why is going to give you perseverance and endurance to do it anyway. So why do we read the word? I wrote down five reasons why we should read the word of God. Number one, the word of God is health to your body. Number two, the word of God is an antidepressant. The scripture says in uh, Jeremiah 15, 16, I found thy word and I ate it and it became to me the joy and gladness of my heart. Number three, the word of God establishes you so that you have stability in life. Romans chapter 15, or Romans chapter 16 and verse 20, it says, now unto him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the word of God. The word of God establishes you and stabilizes you in life. I said it before, Matthew, two, Matthew chapter seven says, that the word is like a rock that you can build the foundation of your home on. Number four, the word of God guides you and directs you. His word is a light unto my path and a lamp unto my feet. It gives you direction in life. You could be, you'd be amazed at how many times you'll read the word and all of a sudden a specific uh, piece of wisdom will come into your heart. Something specific pertaining to your situation that actually leads you out, that actually gives you breakthrough, that actually gives you the next step for you in life. And number five, the word builds your faith. Faith cometh by hearing, Romans 10, 17, and hearing the word of God. So the word of God does those five basic things. Health to your body. My son, give attention to my word, for it is life to those that find him, and healing to all their body. The Word of God literally infuses God's divine nature into your body, thereby strengthening you. It, it, it's an antidepressant. If ever you feel discouraged, I'll tell you, get in the Word. It is the, the remedy for depression. It's the remedy for anxiety. Psalm 119, and I believe it's Psalm 119 and 130. I might be wrong. But it says, Great peace have they that love thy law, and nothing causes them to stumble. So great peace comes to those that love the Word of God. If you're struggling with depression... I know it sounds foolish to just read something and all of a sudden depression leaves, but this book ain't a college textbook. This isn't some motivational book. This isn't Anthony Robbins' new drop. This is the Word of God that is quick and active, that dives deep into the spirit and soul of man. Something that motivational books can't do. Something that even John Maxwell books can't do. Something that just listening to a positive thinking message is not going to do. The Word of God gets to the spirit, the core of man, and has the ability to remove depression and give you the oil of gladness and joy. Number three, it establishes you. Number four, it guides you. And number five, it builds your faith. And remember, we overcome by faith. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. So you can't have faith without the Word continuously, daily, being pumped into your heart. And I'll go a step further for those that can handle it. Don't just have time, like a 30-minute reading time at the beginning of the day, and then you're mindless of the word the rest of the 23 hours and 30 minutes. Ha develop a, um, a habit of meditating on the word throughout the day. Whatever you read in the morning, guaranteed at least one thing is going to stand out to you. If you're reading, come unto me all that are weary and heavy laden and I'll give you rest. And, and the word come 
comes out to you and, and, and that's what's standing out to you, just start to meditate on what Jesus meant when he said, come to me. What does it mean to come to me? And just meditate on that. If, if it's Job 36, 11, if you obey and serve me, he'll spend your days in prosperity and your years in pleasure. Meditate on something in that verse. Just meditate on the entire verse throughout the day. And you'll find out that as you meditate on the word, it starts this process of grinding, just like a coffee bean goes through the grinding in order to extract the actual aroma of the bean. When you gr- meditate on the word, you are grinding the truth and you're extracting the aroma of truth in that to actually um, to have an understanding of it. Number two, make a habit of reading the word and then I'll go even a step further, make a habit of obeying the word. So don't just absorb the word, actually make a plan to, to, to obey the word. Jesus told the man that he had spat on the ground, made, he had made clay with his spit, put it on his eyes and say, now go and wash. If the man just said, well, the word of God came to me, he told me to go and wash, praise God, my breakthrough is coming. He would have died blind. It was in obeying the word that there was a, when it, was, it was in obeying the word that the reward came. Number three, schedule times of prayer and fasting into your month. Nobody likes to fast. Nobody likes, if you like to fast, you're, you probably have some loose screws. I like the benefits of fasting, but nobody likes to not eat. You, that's why if you're waiting for you to feel to fast, you're never going to fast. You need to spend time every month. If it's the first three days of the month, if it's a specific time of the month, 14, 15, 16, uh, day 14, 15, 16, if it's day at the end of the month, whatever, specifically a lot time every single month, if it's one day, if it's three days, if it's seven days, whatever the Lord leads you to do, every single month to fast and pray. Prayer is every day. You shouldn't have three days a month where you pray. pray there's no days off on prayer. But I'm admonishing you that in 2022, if you want this to be the best year you've ever had, make a discipline of taking a day, three days a month, whatever it is, to fast at least once a month. If you do three days a month throughout the entire year, you have made a tithe of your year in fasting and prayer. Comes up to like about 35 days, 36 days. You've made a tithe of your year just fasting. It's 36 days. You've made a tithe of your year just fasting three days a month. And you you go on whatever fast you want. If it's no food at all, then do no food. If it's six to six, no food, then do that. Personally, I believe those are the most, the most beneficial fasts when you, you actually don't eat. <laughs> um, if it's six to six, so after six, you eat whatever you want, but be, from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., you're just drinking water and liquids three days a month or one day a month, do that. If it's one day a week throughout the month, even better. That's like a, a consistent schedule that you, you can up to, maintain and uphold. It'll yield unprecedented benefits throughout your year by just implementing that simple practice. Matthew 6, Jesus said, when you fast. Someone wrote, can you fast emotions? I have no idea what that means. I'm not trying to mock you or anything. I just don't know what that means. Matthew chapter 6, when you fast. Doesn't say if you fast, it says when you fast. Luke 5.35 says, they have the bridegroom with them now, but one day the bridegroom will be taken away from them. In that day, they will fast. So fasting is not a suggestion, it's a commandment. If you're under 18 years old, you're you're exempt from fasting. 
You probably shouldn't, you don't, you don't have to fast. If you're over the age of 70 or you have some medical problems, whatever it is, ask your physician. If you want to fast, go ahead, but that's up to you. But you should, you should, uh, if you're able to do it, you should be doing it. Why should I fast? So we talked about the why of the word. Now let's do why of fasting. Number one, it crucifies the flesh. The flesh is what stands in the way of the treasure that's in us, which is the anointing from manifesting. So when we fast, we're breaking down that treasure. We're cracking that, that, that uh, not the treasure, we're cracking the flesh. We're removing the hindering force from the anointing of God from fully flowing through us. It crucifies the flesh, which is your greatest enemy. People think the devil's our greatest enemy. It's actually the flesh. Number two, fasting and prayer increases the rate of answered prayer. It expedites your prayers from, uh, in being answered. It's like one day delivery instead of having five to seven business days. It, Daniel was, fa- was praying for the deliverance of his nation. Then he fasted 21 days and prayed. And then after the 21 days, took 21 days that the angel came to him and said, from the very first day you opened up your mouth, I was sent, but there was opposition in the heavenlies. So some people are praying for things, but some, uh, sometimes there's a delay because there's an opposition going on. There's a spiritual warfare going on behind the scenes that's trying to hinder your prayers from being answered. When you fast in prayer, it's like spiritual dynamite that releases heavenly enforcement to deliver your prayer rapidly, quickly. Number three, increases your spiritual power to dominate. Mark 9, this kind cometh not but by prayer and fasting. Number four, gives you direction. Ezra 8.21, we proclaim the fast to seek from God the right way concerning ourselves, our children, and our possessions. So if you're looking for direction, fasting and prayer every single month is great because you'll always have clarity as to where you're going. Number five, brings you victory and healing. Isaiah 58 says, is this not the fast that I've chosen? For then shall your light break forth. That talks about breakthrough. And your healing shall spring forth speedily. That's talking about healing. There's, I mean, science has, already, has finally caught on to the Bible, the practical benefits of fasting, even on a natural uh, uh, standpoint, on a natural level. When you fast, you're eliminating your, the toxins from your body. You're actually detoxing your body. You're actually cleansing it from things that cause disease and cause illness. Well, Isaiah 58, long ago, already had that insight saying, is this not the fast I've chosen? Then your healing will spring forth speedily. A lot of people don't fast because they say, well, I have this and I have that illness and I have this sickness or, you know, I don't feel strong enough to fast. You'll find out when you fast, you'll, you'll actually kick into motion a healing virtue from heaven in your body, thereby strengthening you. And then I'll, I'll say, I'll add this to this point, that when you want to go on a fast, if you don't feel motivated to do it, read books on fasting and prayer. I'll recommend one. Where is it? Oh, it's right here. Where did I put it? I'll recommend one. Oh, here it is. Off the bat. This is by Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. The best book I've ever read on fasting. A Complete Guide to Biblical Fasting. It is amazing. It's practical. It's uh, got spiritual benefits. It's got the practical benefits of it. It's got scriptural examples of fasting and every, it, how to fast, how to stay on a fast, what to do on a fast. An excellent book to read. Number four, essential steps to take in 2022. 
plug into a good Bible teaching church. I'm astonished with how many people don't go to church that call themselves Christians, that say, well, I watch online. That's enough for me. If you don't congregate with the body of Christ, you are neglecting the body of Christ. And you can't tell me you love Christ and hate his body. You can't tell me you love Christ and neglect his body. You cannot tell me that. Acts chapter 2. Let, let me read something to you. This is how the early church operated. This is how they function. Acts chapter 2 and beginning with verse 42. And they continued daily, steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, in fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the hands of the apostles. Now all who, were, who believed were together and had all things in common. So you see right there, they were in fellowship. Then verse 43, uh, 44 says they were together and had all things in common and they sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as any man had need. Verse 46, so continuing daily with one accord. So how, how many times did they meet? Continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved so the bible says they met daily hebrews 10 25 says that one of the temptations of the last days will be to forsake the assembling of ourselves together so hebrews the writer of hebrews admonish, admonishes the people saying we are not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as is the habit of some but to do so all the more as you see the day of the lord approaching so as the day of the lord approaches as the return of Jesus Christ draws nigh. We shouldn't be meeting less. We should be meeting more. Online broadcasts. I do them. I watch them. I love them. They are not a substitute for meeting in person, live meetings. They are a supplement. They are not a substitute. They are a supplement. If you can write that in the comment section. Live streams are not a substitute. They are a supplement. Write that in the comment section. Because people have been deceived into thinking, I don't need the church. I don't need the body of Christ. Well, Paul said that we are, just like you have an appendix, and just like you have a liver, and just like you have kidneys, and just like you have lungs and a heart, and you have hands, and you have uh, veins running through your body, and you have blood, and you have all kinds of organs, even so, the body of Christ is so composed that you cannot say, I don't need the hand. You cannot say, I don't need the eyes. You cannot say, I don't need the kidney. You can't say, try, take out both your kidneys. See how you work. Take out your liver. See how that works. Take out your lungs. See how you breathe. It does. You can't. Paul says that every single part, every person in the body of Christ is essential for your nourishment, for your progress. It actually is beneficial to you to congregate. Psalm 92 says, let me read it. Psalm 92. Psalm 92. I don't need, I don't need anybody. I don't need, I don't need Christians. I don't need. How's that gone for you? Everyone that I know, and I'm not trying to be rude, but everyone I know that is just an online Christian, virtual Christian, metaverse Christian, they're all weird. <laughs> I'm not trying to be mean or anything. But 
a lot of them are, they're weird. They're whack in their theology. They, they, they get into weird doctrine. They oftentimes are, are, have like some sort of rebellion in their heart. They can't submit to authority. They can't even take rebuke or exhortation. That's mostly why people don't go to church. I, I can't stand the pastor telling me what to do. He's not telling you what to do. If you have a good Bible teaching, teaching church, it's the word of God telling you what to do. You know why people just do it online? Because online, there's very little accountability. In church, there's accountability. When you plug into a good church, there is accountability. You're now submitting yourself to a shepherd of your soul. Psalm 92 says, The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree and shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. So when you plant your feet in the house of the Lord, you'll start a flourishing in all things that pertain to your life. David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. David made it a habit to congregate with the righteous. Make it a point this year to congregate with and find a good Bible church. I'm not saying just go to anywhere. Don't go to you know, your local um, church that you know, had a move of God in 1779 but hasn't, seen any, hasn't even seen a, a fly since then. I don't want to be where God was. I want to be where God is. Well, brother, there's no good churches where, I, where my job is. Quit your job and find a new job. I mean, I wouldn't set up my life around a job. I'd set my life out around a good church. Well, there's no good churches near me. Leave. Who's holding you there? I'd rather, you know, especially with my, my family that I'm, I'm raising now. I don't want my children growing up in a church where... You know, they just sing Ave Maria every week. I don't want to see my children growing up in church where, where uh, there's just a form of godliness, but there's absolutely no power. I want to give them the experience I had when I was a kid. I want to give them an experience where they're seeing people speak with other tongues. They're seeing miracles happening. They're seeing, uh, you know, they're exposed to God's power moving. Put a taste in them at a young age. The Bible doesn't say, you know, Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's older, he will not depart from it. And the word train is just like, read the Bible to them every, every, every day. It's not just read the Bible. Train, meaning bring them. Be the example. You know, if you go to a church that has no one, and how do you know the anointing's flowing in your church? Very easy. Are people getting saved? Are people getting healed? Are people getting baptized in the Holy Spirit? If those three things, main things, not happening, the anointing, I'm saying like, I'm not saying one Sunday went by and that didn't happen. I'm saying if it's been months, if it's been years especially, that none of that has happened, if it's been more than one year that you haven't seen someone come to an altar and actually receive Christ, the anointing is not in that place and you need to find a new place to, to raise your family in. I want to expose my family to that. I want, to, I want my child, that's why I, look, I bring my family everywhere I go to preach. Because I want them to get a taste for the anointing at a young age to see what's normal for Christianity so that they're never bought into some confused, lackadaisical counterfeit. Number four, plug into a good church. Find a church where the anointing is flowing. Number five, 
Step you must take in 2022, evaluate your surroundings. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens the countenance of his friend. Find people that are not going to amplify the desires of your flesh, but amplify the desires of your spirit. Find people that are going to cheer you on for righteousness and not be a trap for iniquity. The Bible says evil, bad company will corrupt good morals. I, I don't know, I think it was a uh, Forbes magazine article a couple of years back that said, Give me, let me see your five closest friends and I'll show you how much money you make, where you're going in life, and what you're aspiring to be. And the same applies in the spiritual. Show me your five closest friends and I'll show you if you're lukewarm, I'll show you what your confession probably is on a daily basis and I'll show you, I'll, I'll, I'll be able to tell whether... Um, when persecution comes, whether you'll be the one to stand or whether you'll be the one to compromise and fall, I can tell right away based on your five closest friends. If I did a quick research on them, I'd be able to tell. Because the Bible says, he that walks with the wise will himself be wise, but the companions of a fool will be destroyed. I'm not saying you shouldn't have any friends that are sinners. I'm not saying you should totally detach from the world. I'm saying that you should limit you should limit the time spent with such people in the sense that they shouldn't be your, your inner three. Jesus conversed with sinners. Jesus dined with sinners. But Jesus guarded his inner three. You have to guard your inner three, the people that hold the most influence in your life. Because it's like the analogy of the crabs. You put 15 different crabs in a bucket and one of them finally stretches out his hand and is about to get out. The crab wants to get out of the bucket and run free. And it has, it, it's there. He can see the light at the end of the tunnel. But then all of a sudden, the other crab moves its hand and its arm and it drags him right back in. That's how a lot of people are. Because they refuse to break company from people that are not even intent, intending on going in the ways of God, they end up being captive to that crab bucket and they never leave. They never leave. They never break through. They're stuck at the same spot. When I got saved, I broke company with people that I knew that if I kept company with them, I'd be back in the same rut. You know, the Bible says, as a, fool as a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool returns to his folly. So you've seen, every time you hang out with that guy, you end up at a bar and over a toilet the next day, throwing up. Why would you go back? Why would you go back? It's an abusive relationship. Not all abuse is physical. That's spiritual abuse that you're putting yourself through. You want to break free from sin? Quit hanging out with people that are going to encourage you to sin. Amnon had a wicked thought. He lusted after his stepsister. Wanted her badly. And he, but he was suppressing it. He wasn't going to do it. He didn't have the heart to do it. Then Jonadab, his crafty friend, the Bible says, came in and said, hey, why are you withholding yourself? Go ahead, do it. What harm? You're the king's son, for goodness sake. You can do anything you want. You'll get away with it. Amnon was cheered on to sin. Some of you have sin cheerleaders in your life. And forget just sin. Some of you have lazy people that you hang around with that are keeping you in this rut of, of laziness, which is a sin in my opinion. Because a lazy man will cast one into a deep, a, a deep sleep. Some of you have a heart to actually be something and go somewhere, but you keep hanging around lazy people and, and excuse me, but BUMs, bums that don't do anything with their life. 
They're just chilling. They're okay with coasting. You want to have a lion's portion? You got to hang around the lions. You want to be end up in chicken soup? Hang around chickens. You want to you want to ride high? You got to soar with the eagles. Locate people that have great minds. You know, as iron sharpens iron, you can't sharpen yourself with a dull blade. You need it's a it's a sharp blade that sharpens you. You hang around dull people, you'll end up being a dull blade. But you hang around sharp people, what's in them is going to rub off on you. That's why with YouTube, I love YouTube. I'm able to hang around guys, men of God, that I, I don't have access to at the moment. I've never met, but I'm able to hang around them. I'm able to connect with them. I'm able to listen to them. I'm able to uh, pick out their minds. I'm able to study them. I'm able to learn from them. And as such, my, my level rubbing up, rubbing off on their high level. Little minds rubbing on big minds, your little mind will end up getting a big mind. You hang around people that don't have big dreams and every time someone speaks out their dream, they just, they're critical. They think that the gift of the sermon and the gifts of the spirit is a gift to criticize everybody that wants to do something great for God. You start hanging around those people, I guarantee you, you'll never do anything for the Lord. That's what Joseph, Joseph got into a pit, literally, because he started to tell his dreams to people who had no dreams, his brothers. They threw him in a pit. Only by God's grace, he ended up reaching that, that high level because he refused to compromise. He said uh, he, he carried in integrity. Joseph had integrity. But notice that when he shared his dream with a small-minded person, it only got him into trouble. You look at Abraham, as long as he had Lot, which remember, God told Abraham, depart from your country and from your relatives. Lot was his nephew. That's a relative. Depart from them and go into the land that I'll show you and I'll bless you there. He had Lot. As long as Lot was there, Lot was a problem for him his entire... Read Genesis 12 through the end of Abraham's life. You'll find out there's a portion of his life that Lot just created problems for him time and time again. Then finally they broke free. He broke free from him and Abraham had a, a high rise to where God had promised he would be. So there's people that you have to quit company with but then there's people that you can hook up with. Laban learned, the Bible says, Laban learned by experience through his relationship with Jacob that God had blessed him on his account. So there's people that carry something that if you'll hook up with them learn from them receive impartation from their life you'll actually receive the same grace that's on them to come on you Laban learned by experience by his relationship with Jacob that God had blessed him on account of his relationship with Jacob so there's relationships that will only bring problems and then there's relationships that will only create blessing for you number five evaluate your surroundings number six make soul winning your number one priority Matthew 6.33, seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and everything else the Gentiles are chasing after, that will come to you. Make soul winning your number one priority, the top thing on your agenda. I'm a full-time Christian, and I'm a part-time everything else. You cannot put God's agenda first by engaging in the discipline of sharing Christ daily, or at least whenever you can, whenever the opportunity arises, and end up last. You can't put God first and end up last. And you know what? If you're not so, if you're not making it a priority to share Christ when the opportunity arises, 
You're in direct disobedience to God's command. A lot of people say that Mark 16, Matthew 28 is the great commission. And it is. But the word commission, if you actually study it, it it's a commandment. So a better translation should be the great commandment. To not win the loss. To not share Christ. You know, it's not your job to get them converted. It's your job to share Christ. It's not your job to twist their arm to, to accept Christ. It's your job to share Christ. And it's a great commandment. Go ye therefore into all the world and preach the gospel. If you haven't fulfilled the basics of what God's told you to do, He's not going to bring you into the deeper things. It's like step one. It's baseline Christianity. And you see it. Uh, the moment Andrew heard about, sorry, Philip, the moment Philip heard about Christ and saw and witnessed Christ in John chapter two, I believe it is, immediately he became an evangelist. He couldn't keep it to himself. He went to find Philip. Uh, he went to find Andrew and he, he told him, hey, come and see a man who told me everything. You got to come and see this guy. This is the Messiah. He like turned, it wasn't like this six month process before he got comfortable with sharing Christ. It was an immediate thing. You don't have to go through seven months of training before you share Christ. You want to start sharing Christ? Today, just share your testimony. Share, to, share with people what God's done with you and what God's done for you. Look at the gathering demoniac. The moment he got delivered, Lord, I want to follow you. He said, no, I'm actually sending you into the city of Decapolis. Go and tell them everything I've done for you and how great, how, um, how I, I gave you a great mercy. What great things I've done for you and how the Lord showed you great mercy. And immediately he went spreading the word. He didn't wait. Well, well, let me just, you know, learn homiletics. Let me learn how to preach first. Let me. He just went. He started with where he was at. And then, you know, who knows what happened? There's no record, but I'm sure, I'm sure they had a revival at Decapolis. Share Christ. Make soul winning your number one priority. And you'll find out when you'll do, uh, when you'll do this for God and being his hands and his feet, God will do for you what no human hands and no human feet could do for you. In your job, your career, your business, your relationships, whatever it is. That's, what, that's the gist of Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom of God and the advancement of God's kingdom and everything else that people chase after. A better job, promotion, family, blah, blah, blah. Everything they try to chase after. God said, I'll, I'll deliver it into your hands. I'll make it. Life becomes very easy. When you become a soul winner. You look at all the great soul winners. Billy Graham. Oral Roberts. Dag Heward Mills. These guys, it's like impossible to kill them. They don't die. They do not die. Billy Graham died at 100 years old. 99. Oral Roberts was 94 years old when he died. At 92 he was, he was preaching Jesus out of every book of the Bible. By memory. And was in great health. He didn't die of sickness. He just went home to be with the Lord. You look at all these soul winners. They lived long, satisfying lives. Number seven, and I'm finishing with this. This is the most important one. Tame your tongue. Ma Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 14. Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 14. Listen to this. Tame your tongue. A man... I mean, let's go to verse 13. The wicked is ensnared by the transgressions of his lips, but the righteous will come through trouble. So the snare comes when he doesn't keep a watch over his mouth. A man will be satisfied with good, 
by the fruit of his mouth. And the reward of a man's hands will be rendered unto him. So the Bible makes it clear that you'll, you determine whether you're satisfied with good or with evil by the words that you speak. Your mouth is a production facility. Whatever gets produced out in here is what's going to manifest out there. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 2, A man shall eat well by the fruit of his mouth. So you'll either eat poorly by the words you speak, or you'll eat well. What you eat in life, what you enjoy in life, what you experience in life will be dictated not necessarily by God. God's already listed out his blessings. God's already made his covenant clear. And the devil doesn't get to mess things up. He's under our feet. Your mouth is what causes you to either rise high or stoop low. Your mouth is either going to cause you to move forward or move backwards. The words you speak are either going to propel you into God's promises or negate the promises of God for your life. That's why the Bible says every promise of God is yes and amen in Christ Jesus. You have to start saying yes to the promises of God. You can't just know them. you got to start declaring them. As for me and my house, we serve the Lord. We're going to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. We're going to see our path go brighter and brighter even unto that perfect day. We're going to see the blessing of the Lord overtake us this year as we carry out God's specific instructions. We're going to see healing manifest in, every, in, in our bodies and in our home. We're going to see the joy of the Lord begin to flourish in our house. We're going to see the blessing of the Lord that maketh a man rich take root in our house. We're going to see... Uh, Goodness and mercy follow us every single day. You have to start to say yes to the promises of God. And amen. What's amen? Amen is so be it unto me. Amen is a confession. Not only did I receive it, I declare it to be truth. I declare it to be my testimony, my story. A man will eat well by the fruit of his mouth, but the soul of the unfaithful will feed on violence. And we know the soul of the unfaithful. What's the unfaithful? Faithlessness. Faithlessness. What's faithlessness? It's unbelief in the word. Faith, the Bible says we have the same spirit of faith as they did, so we speak. We believe, therefore we speak. So naturally, we understand that if you don't believe, you're not going to speak. So the Bible says the soul of those who don't speak the word of God will feed on violence. They'll have a very hard life. He who guards his mouth will preserve his life. He who opens wide his lips will have destruction. Just saying whatever comes to your mind. Just speaking whatever CNN tells you to speak. Just speaking whatever data, data analysis are telling you to speak. Whatever econom, econom, uh, economists are telling you to speak. Just speaking whatever the doctor said you have. I guess yeah. You just speak whatever comes to your mind. Whatever you feel. You know the Bible says a fool vents all his feelings. You're not supposed to just vent your feelings. There's some preachers that tell you you should just vent your feelings, just let it out. Like, a di like prayer is a diary where we're just telling God how we feel. Prayer is not a diary where we vomit our feelings on God. Prayer is actually where we first and foremost locate God's word concerning our situation and then we, make, we bring the word in remembrance, to his remembrance. We remind God, this is what your covenant says. I refuse what I see right now. I reject what I see right now. I know your word is truth and I refuse anything else that doesn't line up with it. But a fool vents all his feelings. A man who opens up wide his lips will have destruction. Proverbs 6.2 says this. 
You know what's crazy? Is you have motivational speakers that take the Bible, actually teach it. They're making all kinds of money on it because they're teaching its principles. They have these conferences where it costs $10,000 to attend three days. They're teaching all of these principles when it's free. Goodness gracious. And then not only that, you have the body of Christ that starts saying, oh, that's that name it, claim it stuff. Oh, that's power of confession. Oh, that's Christian science. It's not Christian. You can get people that go overboard just start claiming everything. You know, there's people that, that you know, they, they get outside of the word. They get, out, they get on the ditches. You know, there's, the word of God is like a, a road that has ditches on each side. You can, either, you can get too far on the left and too far on the right. But if you'll stay in the middle, you'll win. If you stay in the middle, you'll see, you'll see its benefits. So you have motivational speakers, people that don't even believe in God, taking the principles of the word of God, to a, uh, teaching them, Making people rich, making themselves rich. Meanwhile, the body of Christ is criticizing, you know, the power of confession and the power of the words when it's all throughout the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation. Proverbs 6, 2, you are snared by the words of your mouth. You're taken by the words of your mouth. So you're snared by the words of your mouth. What does that mean? You get into trouble. Your tongue's either going to bring you into trouble or your tongue's going to get you out of trouble and keep you out of trouble. Your tongue's either going to get you into trouble or it's going to get you out of trouble and keep you out of trouble. Your tongue can either create blessing or create cursing. James 3 says your tongue is like the rudder of a ship. It's small, yet see how great of a ship a little rudder can navigate. And it navigates it through the fierce storms of the sea. So your tongue can either navigate you into stormy waters or navigate you into still waters. Remember, and I want to remind you, Psalm 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd, he leads me by still waters. So God wants to lead you into still waters, but there's too many people that through their mouth, they're, leading, they're actually leading their lives away from the still waters, into troubled waters. Bible says, how can this be that both blessing and cursing comes out of your mouth? It ought not to be so. Can fresh water and salt water come from the same source? No. So pick one. I pick the word. I choose the word. Ezekiel 37. Ezekiel prophesied the word of the Lord over the dead bones and the dead bones rose. Instead of complaining about your dead situation, instead of complaining about what's working against you and what's against you and the opposition you're facing and how hard things have been, instead, why don't you start to declare what Joshua 1 verses 3 to 9 says, that it says, if God is on my side, no man will be able to stand before me all the days of my life. That everywhere on which the sole of my foot treads on is land that God will give me. That if I'll be strong and courageous and not be fearful or be dismayed or discouraged that the Lord my God will be with me everywhere I go and I know if God is for me then who can be against me I know that if the greater one lives in me then there's nothing in this world that can wipe me out I know that the Lord always leads me to triumph in all things by Christ Jesus I know that if I'll keep this book of the law ever on my mouth and meditate on it day and night then I'll have prosperity and the Bible says you will have good success Joshua 1 8 hallelujah Hallelujah. Seven steps on how to make 2022 the best year you ever had. 2022 will either be another year from hell or it'll be the best year you ever had. And it's based on, it's, it's absolutely determined by you. The ball's in your court.
My prayer today before jumping on this broadcast was, Father, I pray that they would not just hear, but that they'd actually absorb what I, what I speak from your word today and do it, implement it. You can't change destination overnight, but you can change the direction of your life right here and right now. David said, set a guard over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Ask the Lord. I'll pray right now. Father, I pray that everything that I've spoke from your word, those seven steps, essential steps that I've discovered from your word, Lord, that you wouldn't give them grace, not only to receive it in their hearts today, but Lord, to actually step out and do it. For we know that your word says that we're not to be merely hearers of the word, but effectual doers. For only the doer shall be blessed in his work. I ask you, Father, let grace come upon them for obedience to the faith, to obey your commandments. Lord, to, like your word says, diligently hearken unto everything that you tell us to do. For you said, then we will be set high above, high above the nations of the earth. All these blessings you said will come upon us. Blessed shall we be in the country. Blessed shall we be in the city. Blessed shall we be in our coming out. Blessed shall we be in our coming in. Blessed shall be our fruit and our kneading bowl, and our baskets, and our cattle, and the fruit of our womb. You said that even if enemies rise up against us, they'll be defeated before our face, and scattered seven ways, because of your hand on our life. So I ask you, Father, let a grace, a spirit of faith come in them, not only to receive what I spoke on today, but to actually do it from this day onward. In Jesus' name. If you're watching right now, and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, today's your day. Today is your day. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, whosoever, doesn't matter where you're from, doesn't matter what you've done, doesn't matter what sin you're engaged in, God demonstrated his love towards us that while we were in sin, well, I could never, God would never love someone like me. You'd be amazed at who God loves. Saul was brutally murdering Christians. It was his life goal. And the Bible says Jesus appeared to him and said, hey, hey, hey. You're persecuting me, but I'm showing you mercy. And Paul wrote on later on in his letters saying, I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And then later on in, in a letter, he says uh, to, the, to the church that he's writing to, Paul writes, who had murdered Christians, who had confined Christians to prison, who had letters to Damascus to bind women and children and men to bring them to Jerusalem to stand on trial because they called on the name of the Lord. Years later, the Bible says, that Paul wrote saying, I've wronged nobody. I've never wronged anybody. How could someone like that say, I've wronged nobody? Because the blood of Jesus washes you from all sin. And it cleanses you of the guilt of sin. Doesn't matter if you feel guilty today. The difference between the blood of Jesus and the Old Testament. The Old Testament sacrificial system, all it did was it atoned for sin. Atonement is an Old Testament term that it covered their sin. But they still had guilt. Hebrews 10 says that we should no longer have a consciousness of sin. The blood of Jesus removes the guilt of sin. It cleanses you. The Bible says that the only prerequisite in receiving that today, 1 John 1.9 is, if you will confess your sin to God, He is faithful and just to forgive you of sin and to cleanse you from anything sins brought in your life, of all unrighteousness, all the peril, all the tribulation, all the trouble. The Bible says, come to me all that are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke on you. It's easy, Jesus said. And my burden, it's light and you will find rest for your souls. 
The rest you're looking for is not in drugs, it's not in alcohol, it's not in gambling, it's not in making money, it's not in fame, it's not in, in any stock market, it's nothing, it, nowhere to be found in this world. Jesus said, my peace give I unto thee, not as the world gives do I give. The world can't give you what Jesus has to offer. So if you're watching this right now and you don't have a relationship with God, maybe you once had, but you've fallen away. A loss of a loved one, a tragedy, bitterness in your heart for something that somebody's done to you. Maybe it was an offense that happened in the church. Maybe you're, you rightfully are mad at something that happened to you when you were younger. I'm here to take, to, today to tell you. The Bible says that we are to forgive others even as Christ, God in Christ forgave us. Let it go. No point holding on to the past. People that are stuck in the past never have power to move on into a glorious future. Let go of your past. Start a new thing with Christ. Start 2022 off right. The Bible says if any man is in Christ Jesus, he is a new creation. For a new year, become a new creation. And your life will never be the same again. If you're watching right now and you'd like to rededicate your life to Christ or you want to enter into a relationship for the very first time with Jesus Christ, I want you to pray this prayer with me. This prayer... If you're just praying this prayer as like this religious recital, it ain't going to do anything for you. But if you'll pray it, and you really mean it, and you believe in your heart that God raised Christ from the dead, and you mean business with God, the Bible says that the Lord will cause you to be born again. New passions, new desire, a new heart for the things of God will come from within. Father, in Jesus' name, repeat this after me. Say, Father, in Jesus' name, I come to you today. Forgive me of my sin. Wash me clean. I believe you raised Jesus from the dead. I confess that Christ is my Lord. I turn from this world and I turn to you. Empower me by your spirit to live for you. Give me grace to walk in a manner Worthy of the gospel. I'm never going back. From today, I'm moving forward with you. Jesus is my Savior. Jesus is my Lord. God is my Father. Heaven is my home. And from today, I'm a new creation. I receive you, Lord Jesus. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. To live for you. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer. I would love for you to go on my website. SalvationNow.ca The first link that pops up is I just got saved. Click it. Fill it out. Uh, I'd love to hear from you. Stay connected with us by visiting us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching at TJ Malkanji. Or visit us online. www.SalvationNow.ca God bless you and until next time.